This is an ATS um, podcast for the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly and I'm Professor Jennifer Allison from the University of Sydney and I have here with me Dr Martin Spruitt. Martin is a scientific advisor at CERO which is a centre of excellence of expertise for chronic organ failure and he's also an associate professor in rehabilitation sciences and physiotherapy at Hazelt University in Belgium. The topic today is measuring outcomes of pulmonary rehabilitation. So I'm going to be asking Martin a number of questions and he is kindly going to respond to my questions. So as we all know, to be able to um, measure outcomes of pulmonary rehabilitation, it's obvious that measurements, uh, i.e. patient assessment, has to occur before commencing pulmonary rehabilitation. So Martin, I was wondering if you could um, say, tell us why you think that patient assessment and outcome measures are important for pulmonary rehabilitation. Jenny, thank you for your question. It's my pleasure to, uh, to have this discussion with you. Um, well, as we all know, most chronic lung disease are characterized by an abnormal lung function. Uh, for example, patients with COPD are mostly characterized by the FEV1, but we all know, also know that uh, FEV1 is poorly associated with functional outcomes like exercise tests or health status questionnaire scores. So to characterize our patients, we cannot rely on the outcome of the lung function. And if we want to individualize the interventions during rehab and we want to focus on the unique needs of the patients, we have to do an initial and an ongoing assessment including uh, uh, focusing on disease severity and complexity, and I think also comorbidities. And I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, in the ATS-ERS statement on rehabilitation that was published in 2013, that the new definition contains specifically that we have to do a thorough assessment of our patients. And only based on that thorough assessment, we can set up patient-tailored therapies and as you all know, uh, patient-centered outcomes have historically been used for patient assessment and measurement of change of the impact of pulmonary rehab in chronic respiratory disease. And we should, we should keep on doing that. Uh, thank you, Martin. And um, yes, measuring lung function, because as we all um, know that lung function usually does not change with exercise rehabilitation, so it's not a, a great outcome in terms of the long-term measurement or uh, the response to pulmonary rehabilitation. So just following on from um, your comments, I'm wondering if you could... Uh, expand on what you think are probably the most important outcomes to measure um, to evaluate the effectiveness of pulmonary rehabilitation in our patients. Yes, we, there are multiple options as described in the ATS-ERS rehabilitation statements. We have to focus on different domains. So we could focus on health status, we could focus on symptoms like dyspnea, fatigue, anxiety, depression, but also exercise performance, physical activity, or knowledge about the disease, or problematic activities of daily life, or self-efficacy, or even other outcomes like comorbidities, exacerbation rates, readmissions, and so on. The 
ATS ERS statement does identify all those domains, but it also identifies that there are many different tools used currently, for example, to measure health status. You can use the St. George Respiratory Questionnaire or the Chronic Respiratory Disease Questionnaire or the COPD Assessment Test and so on. So we have multiple options to be used and we should carefully consider which outcome measure to use to uh, evaluate the response to pulmonary rehabilitation in our patients. To give you an example, probably for patients with COPD, you may want to consider to use, for example, the COPD assessment test to assess the impact of the rehabilitation. But for patients with other types of chronic lung disease, for example, um, with asthma or with um, pulmonary hypertension or bronchiectasis or cystic fibrosis, you may want to consider other outcomes. We do know now that most individuals that are enrolled in rehab have COPD. However, individuals with other chronic respiratory disease uh, may also have a similar symptom burden and activity limitation, and they will also benefit from rehab. So we also have to carefully decide which questionnaires to use to evaluate the effects of rehabilitation in these groups. So, for example, for patients with cystic fibrosis, you may want to consider to take a disease-specific questionnaire to assess quality of life. For example, the cystic fibrosis quality of life questionnaire. Or for asthma patients, you may want to consider the asthma quality of life questionnaire, and so on. So we have to be very careful in our assessment, and it can be very broad, but we also have to focus and take into consideration which type of patients should be tested. Just uh, Thank you, Martin. Just following up on a couple of those points, um, you've talked a lot about uh, then about quality of life and the different assessment tools that we have for um, measuring quality of life in different um, patient groups. Um, as far as in general terms, though, for all patients, would you have a view as to what um, assessments should be done? I mean, for example, uh, quality of life, should everyone have a quality of life assessment, uh, disease specific? Should everyone have an exercise assessment? And if so, what sort of assessment should that be, etc.? So, uh, it, because for, for, as you said, there are very many assessments we could do, but if you were going to um, choose the minimum ones that, that would be mandatory that you think would give a very good view as to whether your rehab program had been effective for that particular patient. What, what groups of assessments would you choose to do if you couldn't do them all? Uh, Jenny, thank you for your question. I think it's a very important, also a very difficult question. Um, as the ATS-ERS statement uh, explains, there are many domains on which you may want to focus and to assess and evaluate the efficacy of your program. And I know historically many trials and, and clinics, they do assess an outcome measure of exercise performance. It can be a walking test or a biking test. And most of the programs also evaluate quality of life, mostly disease-specific quality of life. Uh, but I do think we can go much broader. Um, we know that we have to expand the scope of our outcome assessment uh, to evaluate also 
items like knowledge, self-efficacy, muscle function, balance, activity, and so on. And I think that's justified to suggest because we do a multidisciplinary intervention focusing on many different domains in our patients. And by just doing a test of exercise and or health status, I think we only evaluate part of the impact of this multidisciplinary program. Some years ago, we did analyze and we did do a survey and we asked uh, colleagues around the world, which outcomes do you think are most important to use as a main outcome uh, to evaluate the impact of a pulmonary rehabilitation program? So in total, we got back around 430 surveys from more than 40 countries. And most surveys were from uh, rehab programs from Europe and Northern America. And what these colleagues identified was that quality of life and then the six-minute walk test and dyspnea were the three most important outcomes of pulmonary rehabilitation. Um, and that's on average, uh, but if you then look to the different continents and, for example, compare Europe with Northern America, there's a clear difference in the uh, prevalence or the preference, I have to say, for uh, the outcomes. So there you see local differences and local preferences. Uh, what I think is encouraging is that the use of health-related quality of life as a primary outcome for rehab programs uh, is, is identified irrespective of location. So I think this reflects an, an evidence-based approach to evaluate the most important endpoint in rehab. Uh, unfortunately, the survey did not allow us to identify which questionnaires were used uh, most uh, but the current tendency is that uh, most programs, they do now the St. George Respiratory Questionnaire or the Chronic Respiratory Disease Questionnaire. However, the, the COPD assessment test is much shorter and patients and easier to fill out. So you had to make a choice um, because that was your question. If you have limited resources, what should you measure for sure? I would... Uh, um, suggest to measure a COPD assessment test to apply that before and after the rehab to have an impression about symptoms and health status. I would also choose an exercise test and again there there's a preference. Um, to be honest I, I, I cannot recommend that, that really depends on the facilities that are available, uh, the, the length of the hallway and also the preference of the different tests if you prefer a six-minute walk test or, or if you prefer the externally paced incremental and endurance shuttle walk test. Thanks, Martin. Yes, uh, yes it's difficult, isn't it, for, um, for lots of people and, uh, to determine which test to use and every rehab program has its preferences. Just in terms of um, moving forward in the long term, what would be your view about if we um, uh, who run pulmonary rehab programs could benchmark across the world, would you see that it would be uh, important that we all measure at least some outcomes in common so we choose uh, an appropriate quality of life questionnaire? I'm thinking here particularly of COPD because I take your point that obviously for other diseases other quest these specific questionnaires would be um, more relevant. But if we just consider COPD, would you regard that it would be a useful thing to be able to benchmark um, around the world to see if our programs are achieving similar outcomes um, for the patient's benefit by, by using similar outcome measures? 
Yes, Jenny. I, I think it's very important to measure outcome. Uh, it's important to for the patient, him, him or herself, to evaluate the response to rehab, but also to have a global estimate of, of our rehab programs, uh, the overall effectiveness. And then you can demonstrate the effectiveness of our programs to the organizations that fund our programs. But it also allows us to compare process and performance metrics between rehab programs around the world. So the currently observed differences in the, the content and the organizational aspects of rehab make benchmarking very difficult at this moment. There are so many differences uh, that that's, I think, almost impossible at this moment. Uh, and this may also... Uh, this is also a limitation when you talk about uh, the extrapolating of the evidence of randomized controlled trials around the world. So to develop a uniform uh, performance and process metrics will enable us for a meaningful comparison among programs in different countries. And it will also help us uh, to allow uh, quality control to ensure appropriate standards for pulmonary rehab. So I think the ERS and the ATS have a huge task there, and they have to discuss future steps on how to compare the performance and process metrics uh, of other rehab programs and to compare that with one's own uh, result. So I think an international benchmark uh, could even be used to set aspirational targets. And uh, of, of course, the number of performance and process metrics need to be limited, but you can think, for example, of patient safety, patient satisfaction, and when you uh, waiting time, when you talk about process metrics. When you talk about performance metrics, we come back to the previous discussion. You probably have to find an outcome, uh, and we all have to use the same outcome for quality of life, for dyspnea, for exercise, and so on. I think if we're able to do that, then we can do benchmarking, and we can also move for the field forward because then you get a large number of data, which also allows us then to do more in-depth analysis on uh, the complexity of our patients, but also on the effectiveness and to uh, predict the effectiveness of the programs. Yes, as you say, thank you, Martin. I think that's the very good points, and um, it, it would certainly, um, even within countries uh, choosing similar outcomes, at least we would be able to ensure that if one program is achieving very good results that we could evaluate why that was and, and adjust other programs accordingly. So mm -hmm. I think it is a big challenge, but I think it would be a very valuable um, piece of work to do. So to make a choice for the different outcomes of rehabilitation, we have to be very careful because we recently showed that uh, if you, for example, compare the response on a six-minute walk test with the response on a constant work rate cycle ergometry test, you see that not all patients respond in a similar way on both exercise outcomes. And the same is also true for other types of outcomes. So there's a differential response to rehab in patients with COPD. So we have to be very careful in our choice and perhaps we have to start very broad with our assessment. And then after a while we start realizing that some of the outcomes that we use to assess the complexity have less added value. So we may want to ignore those in the near future. But for now, to get a better understanding of the multi-system manifestations, I think we have to do a broad assessment of our patients. And it's even difficult to make a choice within the domain of exercise physiology, of exercise testing, which test to use. 
Yes, look, I absolutely agree with that. And uh, I often say that although the six-minute walk test is widely used, to be able to do better in the six-minute walk test, you need to be able to walk faster. And we don't always... Um, um, uh, concentrate in rehabilitation on getting people to walk faster but to be able to walk for longer at the same sub-maximal work rate. So therefore something like the endurance shuttle walk test may be a much a more relevant outcome for, um, for our patients. So I definitely agree with you that um, not being too prescriptive may, if we're too prescriptive we may miss um, some of the changes that might be very important um, if we say that these are just the measurements that should be used. Mm. Exactly. And, I, and one of the other things I think we should start to consider to measure also at the start of the program are comorbidities. can be comorbidities of the heart, but can also be comorbidities like anxiety and depression or even comorbidities of the musculoskeletal system, which may all have an impact on the efficacy of our program or at least on the content and the modalities of the program. So I think uh, we're in the unique situation in the rehabilitation centers to also uh, do an analysis and, uh, of those comorbidities and relate those results to the content of the program. Yeah, that sounds very sensible. I just, I'm, we're getting close to the end of the time that we have, but I just wondered if you could make some comments also. We talked about really the outcomes from um, beginning the program to the end of the program, but I'm just wondering what you feel about um, the longer-term outcomes. Should we be evaluating as standard practice um, the maintenance of um, the training effect over the longer term and, and getting our patients to come back and be re-evaluated and the effects on hospitalisations um, of our programs and those longer term outcomes. Yes, Jenny, I, I completely agree. I think, I think we should start with a baseline assessment, a careful baseline assessment, where we do an in-depth assessment of our, the, the multi-system manifestations in our patients then we should re-evaluate them after completion of the program. But of course, that's the short-term impact of the rehabilitation program. And what we are mostly interested in is the long-term impact. But I do want to make a comment on that because I, I fully agree that we should repeat our tests and even look at healthcare use after completing the program. But I also think that's very important that we have structured maintenance programs after completion of the program. Uh, if we don't do that, we know that after a year, after two years, the benefits of rehab have disappeared. So I, I fully agree that we have to do long-term follow-up, but in between, we should provide the patients with the maintenance program. Uh, I don't know if it should be one, once a week under supervision of a physiotherapist or uh, together with e-health applications and coaching. Uh, uh, th th we don't have a clear answer to that yet. But I do agree that we have to look into the future and also look at long-term follow-up. And we do know that rehabilitation uh, may result in a significant reduction in emergency room visits. Uh, for example, uh, also the largest, largest randomized control trial by Tim Griffiths and colleagues, they found uh, a reduction in the number of hospital admissions and hospital days and primary care home visits following um, the year after completion of a six-week outpatient rehab program. So uh, we do have data that shows that we can uh, that rehabilitation has an important economic effect, 
Um, so there is a decrease in the demand on the primary and secondary healthcare services and medication. Uh, but I do think we have to be very careful and make sure that after completion of the most probably hospital-based program, we should set up a, a maintenance program. Thanks, Martin. Yes, I think, as you say, uh, the, trouble, the, the problem we all have at the moment is knowing really what the evidence is around that, and um, that's really important for the future, which really leads me on to my last sort of question to say to you that I know you're very involved with the American Thoracic Society and the European Respiratory Society, so I'm wondering if you could give um, me a bit of insight as to what you think is going to be uh, happening in research in the coming year and um, and uh, expand a little bit on that. Sure. I, I think there's, it's a very interesting um, time frame at this moment. Uh, there, in, in the 2013 ATS-ERS statement, we identified several major areas that need to be addressed in the coming years, uh, focusing on rehab, and one of them is to further understand and addressing the heterogeneity and multi-system complexity of COPD and other forms of chronic respiratory disease. So, so this includes defining phenotypes and using this information in optimizing the impact of the rehab program. I think that's key for the coming years, that we are able to identify those patients who benefit most from our program, so we can show to our payers that we have an added value to the, the usual care. That's on one side. On the other side, I think by doing these kind of analysis, we can also identify those patients who may not benefit from our programs, and we may want to reconsider the outcomes that we use to evaluate the impact of our programs in those patients, or perhaps we have even changed the content of the program. So that's something uh, I think in the coming years will be very important, and, so, and may, it may even result in a situation where we can even predict at the start of the baseline, uh, after the baseline assessment, who will respond good and who will respond poor to our programs. I think that's one major area where we, a lot of emphasis will be placed upon. On the other end, I think we should reconsider the outcomes that we are using. And we all say that patient-centered outcomes is what we use to evaluate the efficacy of our program. But if you look at the definition of a patient-centered outcome, and it's defined as health outcomes that are ranging from standard clinical outcomes to those measuring health-related quality of life, integrating the voice and perspective of patients and their families to improve healthcare access and decision-making, then I think we can make many more improvements, much more improvements, by listening to the patient, so to integrate the voice of the patient and their perspective, but also of their family members. Uh, for example, if you look at the problematic activity of daily life, I think we should focus on what patients think is important. I don't think a patient is interested in an improvement of 34 meters on a six-minute walk test. I think a patient is more interested in getting dressed with less dyspnea or playing with grandchildren. So I think we really have to go to goal setting for our patients and use the individual goals of our patients to evaluate the efficacy of our programs. I think that's a very nice um, point to finish on because it finishes up with the patient at the centre and that's really what we're all about is trying to improve the lives of patients with chronic lung disease. So uh, I think that's a nice place to finish. So thank you very much, Martine. I really enjoyed talking with you and hearing your insights into this area and um, 
we hope that that will be of interest to the um, Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly. Thank you.